This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello, good evening. Welcome to Teachers Talk Radio, and tonight's Late Late Show, hosted by me, Emily Edwards, is going to be looking at getting into the Christmas spirit and tackling arguably one of the hotly debated topics of the year. What do we do at the end of autumn term and the build-up to Christmas? This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, good evening and welcome to Teachers Talk Radio. As I said, my name is Emily Edwards. For any recurring listeners, welcome back. It's good to be back. It's good to chat to you again. And if this is your first time with me tonight, here's a little bit about my background in education. Uh, So I'm currently teaching secondary history as a full-time classroom teacher. I started my NQT year back when it was called an NQT in 2017. And I have an MPQML as well as experiences in middle leadership, both in temporary positions as a pastoral deputy head of sixth form and a curriculum lead for history, though thankfully not at the same time. I also have experience in teaching key stage three to five for history and key stage five or A level for politics. So with introductions having been made, tonight we're going to discuss end of term traditions with a particular focus on the end of autumn term and the big build up to Christmas. It is the season after all. I thought I'd go for something a little bit more festive as we are getting uh, into December and into the Christmas season. Uh, Tonight we'll look at the options available to teachers, what the results of my online poll showed um, and thank you to everybody who did participate in that. I will be so excited to talk about it a little bit later tonight. Uh, But before we do so, there'll be some interesting uh, feedback from different teachers and their choices. And as always, I'll share some tips and tricks to navigating some of the big choices that we teachers have to make around the holiday season in our schools. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. In today's educational environment, students and teachers are juggling a mix of face-to-face, online and blended learning courses. Canvas by Instructure helps teachers navigate these diverse learning experiences with a user-friendly virtual learning environment that offers flexible access to courses and a consistent learning experience, all while streamlining everyday teaching processes. The world's best schools and universities are using Canvas to create dynamic courses, collaborate seamlessly, and access actionable data that drives student success. On the 24th to the 26th of January, 2024, Bet UK is back and even better for educators. 
New for 2024, Table Talks empowers educators to collaborate openly and connect deeply with like-minded individuals in the education space, as well as Tech User Labs, the brilliant new tutorials and working groups at BET, where technology users will learn how to get more out of their institution's tech from the top education technology experts in the world. Whatever your goal, you'll find it at BET 2024. Educators go free. Get your tickets today at www.uk.betshow.com forward slash visitor dash registration. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. The big political news this week was the launch of the DfE in England's consultation on how best to implement minimum levels of service in schools if teaching and support staff unions go on strike. The BBC reports that education unions who were involved in talks with government over MSLs called the announcement shameful. One of the two options being put forward is to guarantee that vulnerable children, those due to take exams, Children of critical workers and all primary school pupils can go into school on strike days. A leaked DfE document suggests that this amounts to 74% of pupils. In October, Education Secretary Gillian Keegan said MSLs would be introduced with the unions on a voluntary basis at first. But the government could use legal powers brought in earlier this year under the Strikes Act. The DfE says the plans will protect education. The consultation will last nine weeks. All four teaching unions involved in talks reacted angrily to the announcement. Much of the media focus in recent days has been on the inquest into the death of Ruth Perry. The Guardian featured a report focusing on comments made by colleagues of the late head teacher, which focused on her evident distress during the days of the inspection. Much has been made of comments from Ofsted inspectors that Mrs Perry was upset tearful and looked like she was in pain. The inquest began after Mrs Perry's family discovered that its bid for legal aid had been rejected, but a crowdfunding campaign saw donations totalling more than £63,000. Behaviour in schools has also been a hot topic on both sides of the England-Scotland border. The Dunfermline Press reported that Fife Council's education chiefs are trying to curb a rise in violence in schools, but they don't believe in negative consequences. Instead, children learning about bullying should be an empowering experience. In a new version of the anti-bullying policy, the aim is stated that children do not bully others because they understand the harm it causes and choose not to cause such harm. It goes on to say where children do choose to bully, we need to engage with them educationally, supportively and restoratively rather than punitively. Comments on the paper's website, however, appear to show disapproval of the policy, with one comment describing it as utter nonsense and another saying it was psychobabble. The draft policy has been issued to head teachers, guidance staff and educational psychologists for their views, before schools are asked to create a personalised policy for their setting based on the final draft. Meanwhile, over the border in England, The Guardian reports that head teachers are describing a culture of non-compliance among pupils and parents. 
Whereas once a parent who was called into school to discuss concerns was likely to be broadly supportive of teachers' decisions, now heads are saying parents more often side with their child and take to social media to register their feelings. Many heads also say that behaviour has changed from having to deal with lesson disruption to managing internal truancy, as pupils come to school to socialise but refuse to attend lessons to learn. Some leaders also highlighted an increase in verbal abuse and swearing. Head teachers also pointed out that whilst challenging behaviour is nothing new, non-compliance is on the increase, and the reduction in the availability of specialist support services has made matters worse. One leader summed up the current situation. Since COVID, people seem to be far less tolerant, and that includes pupils and parents. Popular quiz show University Challenge is in the news as the BBC reports that a Christmas episode has been pulled after two contestants complained about a lack of provision for their disabilities. According to the report, contestants were not provided with promised audio description for visual images or subtitles to help with audio processing. The BBC agreed to withdraw the episode after the complaints were received. Finally, the BBC features a report on a civil servant who quit her Whitehall job to retrain as a teacher. The former employee of the DfE began teacher training in 2022, and Ms Melbourne is just one example of over 35s joining the profession, according to charity New Teach. Research suggests that recent graduates are shunning the profession, but older people are stepping up to fill the gap. Figures also suggest that older starters stay in the profession longer than the national average and are more representative of society in terms of gender and ethnicity. Could this be a solution to a recruitment crisis? This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. Hello, welcome back. So, jumping into it tonight, talking about our uh, kind of plans for Christmas, especially within the classroom. Uh, I think, well, I wanted to kind of start off with a bit of a behind the curtains moment, behind the scenes, um, and talk about where I got this idea for the show tonight from. So in essence, the show tonight came from a conversation I had with a colleague um, actually last week. As if we're being honest, I was moaning uh, mostly about the weather, like every other Brit. And then we got talking about having three more weeks left. It's about 12 days now, but who's counting? Um, and she replied with, got to keep at it and teach to the end, I guess. And if I'm honest, that got me thinking, is teaching to the end the only option we have? Is this the best option? And if it is, how can we make sure that we spread that message and make sure that we are all on the same page? So before we talk about what we can do to make the run up to Christmas um, something a little bit more manageable, it's important to recognise the options available to us so that we can make those best choices. So let's get into the Christmas spirit and talk about this the best way that I know how. Um, so I'm going to discuss the options from kind of the classic Grinch approach to a student Santa, i.e. kind of the least to most student friendly approach. And then we can discuss some of the reactions to these different approaches uh, from my Twitter poll that I released earlier this week. So classic Grinch. 
This is obviously the ones that students kind of roll their eyes at and moan about. Uh, this is teaching to the end. So we all know the phrase that gets trotted out by the most kind of hardened staff who've gone for the classic, no, we're not just going to watch a film. No, I don't care if Mr. Jones and drama did it last lesson. Do I look like Mr. Jones to you? All those kind of student groans and arguments and probably an eye roll or two. And this kind of feeling uh, within the classroom is this sense of everybody's getting punished. We're all going to pile through it together and hope for the best. But in normal, uh, in kind of normality, I should say, is this really the Grinchy move that students think it is? Is this routine and having this structure to the lesson actually a positive? Are we framing the hour as actually something that isn't time to kill or to waste, but actually is a great opportunity to pick up a few new facts and a wider understanding of the world um, for students in that final moment building up to Christmas? That's the starting point. So going from that classic Grinch, moving to not quite a nativity as a section. Uh, OK, we'll do a test, but is it really a test if I call it a quiz and add in a Christmas round or uh, put in some Christmas music as they're doing it to make up for it? Well, this option, I think, provides teachers with some structure and attempt to retrieve knowledge that'll be needed, obviously, usually after the winter break, but with a Christmas or holidays themed twist to try and keep a little bit of the spirit going. So is this a valid compromise between students and teachers or is it a bit of a cheap cop out that satisfies nobody? Moving on to our slightly more student friendly one, close to Klaus. So clearly there's a Christmas theme going, but at least the books are open, the date and title and a suspiciously similar task to one you've done before in a normal lesson is there just in case SLT come in to uh, have a quick review, shall we say. But um, actually, there's a huge Christmas focus. So think about uh, like source analysis of the Christmas truce for a World War One lesson or having a discussion of uh, character descriptions in a Christmas carol, that sort of thing. Now, the final one is very much the student friendly, the one they're all hoping for as they walk through the door. Forget the curriculum. This is the chance to deliver a memorable moment for students and really celebrate the festive season games. Christmas themed activities and maybe a fancy dress moment or two thrown in there, depending if you're primary or secondary. I'm not going to judge either way. And this is obviously a great opportunity to make the hinterland shine a bit, um, but also it's seen very much as the cop outs, um, usually amongst staff, the idea of, oh, they're watching a Muppets Christmas Carol again. They don't really have anything planned. They just want to um, get through the hour as quickly as possible. But is this the cop-out that everyone sees it as or is it such uh, an opportunity to bride, uh, brighten somebody's day, to broaden horizons, even if it does involve a bit of a YouTube link or a kind of a dusty DVD? So those are kind of my four different uh, options from kind of a perspective of a student. But before I discuss what teachers on Twitter uh, suggested in terms of uh, different approaches and don't panic. I promise that it was kind of a fun poll and a lovely discussion rather than an all out uh, keyboard war. Um, I did want to actually point out uh, an article that I found when I was um, researching this topic and seeing different perspectives. And it came from The Guardian and it was about the idea of differentiating activities um, between secondary and primary settings. And to be honest, I thought that was a completely fair approach. And I will apologize in advance if the show seems a bit secondary focused rather than a balance uh, between you know, the primary and secondary settings. 
But the idea was obviously to focus on what I knew and obviously what I know is secondary. So if you do have um, any primary setting examples that you want to throw in, please feel free to add them to the chat. It'd be lovely to hear from you. Um, and obviously I'll make sure that they get a shout out as we go through uh, talking about the primary section in a little minute. So jumping straight into the secondary setting, The Guardian suggested going for this kind of close to class approach by having Christmas iconography to link to the skills that you're actually using across the curriculum. So they suggested science having kind of Christmassy based experiments and creating different um, Christmas themed items. So they suggested blizzard ice cream or crystal constellations using um, salty water, pencils, food colorings, and they suggested pipe cleaners, which if there are any science experts in the chat, please feel free to explain what that's all about. Um, but for me, that kind of blew my mind a little bit. And I think that was an interesting way to, especially for different subjects, connect um, the subject to a wider Christmassy feeling. So students don't necessarily realize they're applying the same skills and the same knowledge um, to the lesson, but at the same time, still having an opportunity to broaden horizons and have a bit of fun. Obviously, for English and drama, there are lots and lots of Christmas themed books and films that can be broken down uh, and discussed in the lesson rather than um, kind of very traditional curriculum approaches. And absolutely, uh, Christmas Carol, there are going to be so many different versions to explore. You could even have a fun comparison uh, of the mainstream miser throughout its historical um, versions, which could be quite fun. Now, for primary settings, they suggested um, going with a completely uh, separate approach and having the whole day kind of themed around Christmas or Santa based activities. Um, so they suggested things like a vocabulary building exercise on Christmas items or clothing. You can even add in um, kind of labeling exercises, which I thought might be a fun way to connect uh, verbal kind of phonics to um, kind of the more written elements of their kind of English lessons, but also as well having um, kind of Christmas presents being described uh, to develop their uh, descriptive language skills, maybe like a guessing game, or even building some creativity through uh, creating snowflakes in a more art setting, or even um, applying uh, different knowledge from students based on what they're like at home or what they can bring from home, uh, especially if it's including different faiths and EAL students talking about different holiday traditions or songs and kind of sharing that within the classroom could be a really fun way to connect different people and um, the different experiences that we might have in our classrooms. So that's what The Guardian suggested. And I thought that was quite interesting as a mainstream media approach. Um, it was relatively quite thoughtful and did kind of expand my mind a bit as to what we could include. Um, but ultimately, is that what we're doing in our classrooms? Does that actually reflect the choices that we're making? So if you missed it, um, I set up a poll on Twitter or X or whatever it's going by these days uh, that resulted in an absolutely amazing 533 votes. And I'm not just saying that to kind of brag, a little bit brag, but um, it's more so to kind of show how wide reaching uh, this poll was and how many fantastic responses we got, um, which means then obviously we can explore those different responses from different teachers, different settings all across the country. And what uh, kind of amazed me when I kind of put the options out, I tried to pick what I thought would be um, the most popular. So I had a list of options of what do you do, 
um, building up in the last lessons to the Christmas holidays. Do you teach to the end? Do you do Christmas quiz or games? Do you watch a documentary or a Christmas film? And I also had kind of an other category just in case I missed anything. And what really surprised me um, was that only about 16% of voters said they'd just put on a documentary or a film. And I think arguably, if you asked the general public um, what they thought we did at the end of the term, um, the up figure would out absolutely be a lot higher than 16%. So what took the number one spot? What was the most common response? Um, well, interestingly enough, teaching until the end came out with about 51% of votes, which I thought was incredibly high and much uh, more significant uh, in terms of support that I thought it would get. And the next uh, highest score was about 30% of votes for Christmas quizzes or Christmas themed games. So that raised another question for me. What would lead to such a consensus? Well, having read through some of the comments, I thought there were some really insightful kind of gems for the traditionally kind of Scrooge approach. That's um, kind of Grinchy style that students uh, usually refer to it as of teaching until the end. So. Just to read out a couple of comments and feel free obviously in the chat to share what you think about them or to build on it or to challenge some of these love to hear your opinions so uh, one user at david voicey said that i did the classic fun stuff on the last day when i first started teaching and it was always a disaster with time pressures now especially and in retrospect every minute is worth spending teaching good history that should be fun enough and I think this quote really struck me as I think we've all had a year when we've kind of felt like we've caved to the pressure of what we thought might be the easier option and wound up spending more time um, in those lessons dealing with uh, poor behavior or students not handling being out of routine and the issue of trying to appease different groups uh, with the idea of a fun lesson having a wildly different uh, definition depending on which students you asked. And so you can't really win, especially with you know, a secondary setting of 30 students in a room, trying to find something they'll all love about the topic and having it link ideally to Christmas. So why not show students that our subject is important by prioritizing it, by making it a really important part of their day. We're not just going to skip it. It's not a placeholder whilst we think of something more fun. This is important. This is interesting. And we love this as our specialisms um, kind of dictate. We didn't go into this um, to bore people. We genuinely thought our subject, our experiences would be obviously really fun with this topic. And so why should we have to apologize um, by kind of hiding it for something that we think might be more fun for students? And I noticed as well, there is a bit more nuance to that debate. Um, as Mrs. Charlie Pearson noted as a comment, as she said, it depends on the year group. Sixth form and GCSE should be taught until the end, but with Key Stage 3, the last drama lesson before Christmas will be Christmas themed drama games or watching a play. So still the subject really. And I think that's a good point. Uh, we always have to understand that we're not obviously teaching to the same uh, year group all the time in a secondary setting. And even within a primary setting, you obviously have to deal with lots of different subjects throughout the day. It's not just one long history lesson, for example. And so I think it's important, like with any other lesson, that we try to pitch it appropriately and think about who's in front of us, what would work best. 
And I thought there was a, an interesting theme with many of the comments that were talking about the importance of sticking to the curriculum um, as they were linking it more so to older year groups, um, particularly obviously in secondary settings with GCSE and A-level students. And there was the kind of more underlying theme of having a lot more flexibility for younger year groups and especially within a primary setting of having a bit more room for traditionally non-traditional um, lessons in that sense. And finally, as one of my kind of last com uh, comments that I wanted to focus on, at Hectic Teacher uh, made a really great point about it all being kind of time sensitive. So it depends on where I am in the learning phase. I don't want to start something new just before a break. So I have a lesson spare, then I will obviously do something fun like a quiz, um, but otherwise I'll just teach until the end of the learning phase. And I think that is a really good point to make that having to keep an eye on timetables is something that we have to keep in mind. And it's not something that I had initially thought would be a significant influence on our decision making um, as a profession. So obviously the questions that arise from that are, you know, are you near the end of a topic and would benefit from kind of finishing it off for a fresh start and a new topic in the new year? Uh, do we have this kind of magical spare lesson that could be better used as a way to indulge in a bit of Christmas fun? and set the mood uh, for the rest of the term and to welcome everyone into the break? Or are we losing sight of the importance of what we teach by trying to shoehorn in um, Christmas activities instead of teaching naturally to a topic's end? So overall, there are lots of obviously different points that were raised um, from the uh, poll, which I really appreciate. And again, thank you to everybody who got involved either um, posting a comments as a response to the poll, um, either just voting in the poll or by doing a bit of both. All of it was absolutely um, incredible to see. And it's definitely something I'll keep in mind for future shows to try and get a bit more um, of your perspectives. So all of these points are definitely worth considering as we move into our kind of next section about actually making a choice with what we do and starting to explore what are the good and bad choices we can make and what can we do to avoid maybe some of the worst choices this show is brought to you in partnership with john cat educational publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world have you checked out their latest releases use the code jcttr 2324 for 20% off your order don't miss out Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. In today's educational environment, students and teachers are juggling a mix of face-to-face, -face, online and blended learning courses. Canvas by Instructure helps teachers navigate these diverse learning experiences with a user-friendly virtual learning environment that offers flexible access to courses and a consistent learning experience, all while streamlining everyday teaching processes. The world's best schools and universities are using Canvas to create dynamic courses, collaborate seamlessly, and access actionable data that drives student success. On the 24th to the 26th of January, 2024, BetUK is back, and even better for educators. 
New for 2024, Table Talks empowers educators to collaborate openly and connect deeply with like-minded individuals in the education space, as well as tech user labs, the brilliant new tutorials and working groups at BED, where technology users will learn how to get more out of their institution's tech from the top education technology experts in the world. Whatever your goal, you'll find it at VET 2024. Educators go free. Get your tickets today at www.uk.betshow.com forward slash visitor dash registration. And welcome back. So, James, I saw you wanted to uh, call in, so feel free to call in now if you'd like. I'd love to hear your opinion uh, on what we're talking about in terms of Christmas. So. Hello? Hello, James. It's good to have you. What would you like to say? Hey, thank you. So, um, I'm in Australia, so it's, things are a little bit different uh, over here. We finished for Christmas a lot earlier, like um, some of the schools around the 10th of December, something like that. So the run-up to Christmas for us is a bit shorter, and we don't sort of fill the end of that term so much with festive activities. But one thing, I, one thing we do do here, which I actually like, which uh, I didn't hear you mention, is um, we do a thing called Step Up. So the, the students actually move up to the next year level before Christmas, and because yeah. our academic year changes uh, in, in January, so they move right. up to the next level, and that sort of downtime after exams at the end of the year, they they're spending sometimes one, two, or even three weeks in the new year level with their new teacher, and they'll learn just enough content, I suppose. This is all year levels from all the way middle and senior school. Mm -hmm. They'll go home in the summer holiday then, which is Christmas <laughs> again, very different. Um, <laughs> But they'll go home for the summer holiday, the Christmas holiday, with reading and, you know, with enough knowledge to be able to do the summer holiday homework, which I, I think maybe not is, is not going to work exactly in the UK for several reasons. But, um, but that's something we do here, this, this kind of step up so that they can do projects work over the summer. Yeah. So is it the sort of thing that they kind of prepare for the next year before obviously jumping yeah. into it? So they've had a bit of a, a run well, through for us. Yeah, yeah they, they really properly start learning. Like, we'll pick a topic. So it depends on how many weeks the school chooses to dedicate to this. Yeah. Um, one of my schools was three, three and a half weeks between exams finishing and then the end of term. So that three and a half weeks, each department would choose, like, which topic fits that amount of time. Mm -hmm. And it might be that we do chapter four or, you know, chapter seven, but we, we just pick something that they can learn, grasp, and then use that as the theme of their holiday homework. And it just, it kind of boosts the quality of the summer as well, because it's a very long break here. It's like, it's eight or nine weeks. It's very long. Oh, wow. Yeah. So over that time, they're actually learning rather than, yeah. Mm. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, potentially for a UK um, kind of setting, taking that approach of preparing for the next year, making the most of the time, rather than having it filled with kind of Christmas activities that people could potentially yeah. do at home maybe have that as you yeah, know yeah. here's what we're looking into you know after Christmas this is the next topic or absolutely if um, people are 
kind of starting to think about, I know for currently year nine in our secondary setting, they're talking about GCSE options and the next uh, topics yeah. that they want to kind of focus on, the subjects. And um, that might be a really interesting kind of um, window to give students of this is what we will be doing, rather than, like you say, just kind of keeping the time as, as dead space, making it a really um, kind of useful tool for both students and staff to kind of get yeah. used to each other as uh, they prepare for the next year. Oh, fantastic. That's really interesting. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. See, that's, I think, really quite interesting about hearing um, lots of different uh, experiences and different backgrounds is that we get to have this um, kind of wider discussion over what's best to do. And absolutely, depending on obviously the students in front of us, we can have um, very different experiences of what we're doing day in um, and day out. But that is absolutely brilliant. So, um, what I will do there, I'll thank you very much for calling. If there are any other comments, obviously feel free to throw them into the chat or feel free to um, jump on in. So uh, what I'll do, I'll leave it there because I'm not entirely sure how to uh, uh, get the connection there, but thanks very much, James. So with that being said, I think that's a really lovely segue into talking about um, stereotypically kind of the good or bad choices. What's the best choice? How do we make sure that we're doing uh, the best for our students? And ultimately, um, I think this is a very kind of loaded question and talking about um, what we think is best. Absolutely, as we've seen, depends entirely on the context. And since there's not kind of a nice one size fits all narrative, um, I think it can be a more productive conversation to talk about uh, kind of the pros and cons of doing either kind of Christmas activities in school or going completely with um, curriculum. So in traditional uh, Emily Edwards fashion, I've got a bit of a list ready to go. It wouldn't be, I think, a Teachers Talk radio show with me without a list. Um, so here are my go-to arguments for doing activities uh, based around Christmas in schools. And then I'll look at some of the uh, negatives. So first things first, the festive spirits. Um, I think Christmas activities create a really joyful and festive uh, atmosphere in schools and can really, uh, can really create this positive and inclusive spirits uh, amongst students and staff and it can be a really lovely time of year and a great opportunity to end the term on a positive especially after obviously the long winter term especially in the UK with the weather being as is and I promise I won't go into another rant about the weather tonight um, but I know in uh, my current school setting we have a really lovely assembly that kind of connects students to all the successes we've had throughout the year promoting obviously students getting it right and um, who've done incredible things both within and outside of school and that creates such a lovely buzz around school um, especially on the last day as students kind of looking forward to it and they know that that's the last thing we're going to do before they get to leave um, early on the day and I think that really helps to boost uh, the atmosphere in schools. We also have the point about that it can celebrate diversity and the idea of incorporating various cultural and kind of religious celebrations during the holiday season can really help students uh, to understand different traditions and the school can really promote uh, the natural diversity that it has in their school. And this is also a great opportunity for citizenship, religious studies or general kind of PSHE um, into a student's day to day life without it feeling forced or unnatural, it's a great opportunity to um, connect uh, students together with these wider uh, 
discussions and wider conversations. Uh, my third point is that it can build community. We've talked about kind of having that festive spirit, uh, but particularly in terms of providing an opportunity for students, teachers and general staff, whether they're in the classroom or not, uh, to kind of come together and uh, discuss about what they're doing over the festive period, about different holidays. And I think um, one of the things that I do enjoy as well about the assembly as a bit of an extra memory cropping to mind is that we do the 12 days of Christmas song and different uh, year groups, different tutor groups, we have different parts of the song to sing and whilst it is absolute carnage as the loud lads usually realize they can get away with being as loud as they want without any consequences um it does create a really fun community kind of spirit as especially like tutor groups uh bonding together and going right we're going to belt it for this line and um really connect uh together with this song and it's just as I say, a really fun way to really show the school community and the collectiveness uh, within the school. It also can provide some educational value. Uh, Christmas themed lessons and activities can have educational benefits. They don't just have to be seen as filler or a distraction from the curriculum. And you can incorporate lots of different elements from different subjects, especially history, English, drama, music, art, language. And I've already mentioned uh, using the Christmas truce to kind of explore um, really complex topics of, for example, the momentary kind of humanity during the inhumane um, experiences of World War One. But there are lots of other examples out there where we can connect the curriculum to the season in both an effortless and uh, really eye opening way for both staff and students, which is always a bit of a winning combo. Also, as a bit of uh, kind of a staff focus here, it's a bit of stress relief. We can obviously uh, do with a bit of a breather near the end as we are really pushing ourselves to make sure that we're wrapping up the year on a positive note. And I think Christmas activities can offer a really nice, natural, lighthearted break and reduce a bit of the stress and um, provide a really positive end to the term. And who doesn't love a good staff panto, especially if you're not the one getting involved in said staff panto and you get to join in with the kids of who's behind you and all those fun chants. Um, creativity and expression is on my number six. So particularly with things like arts and crafts, holiday performances, uh, and other general Christmas activities, we can allow students to express themselves and showcase their talents in different activities and different ways that we might not have actually seen before in the curriculum and can be a great way to um, showcase these outside of a traditional uh, lesson, especially as well for primary school settings. If you get students really engaged in a topic that you don't normally have time for in a curriculum, say more of a, an arts or a music focus, absolutely this could be a great way to um, expand your interest and get students really engaging with the day-to-day -day just before Christmas. And finally, it's a lovely reward for hard work. I think recognising the hard work that we put in, recognising the hard work that students put in, especially throughout uh, a very long term, can have a great uh, motivating factor and a lovely positive reinforcement uh, for the efforts and knowing that it's all culminated in a bit of fun and um, a lovely way to, to wrap up the term. Now, this isn't to say that there are only positives to all this. There are negatives uh, that we do have to consider. So on kind of the other half of my list, 
we do have to keep in mind, obviously, religious sensitivities. Um, some families may have very different religious beliefs and emphasizing Christmas activities above all else could make students from non-Christian backgrounds feel excluded or potentially uncomfortable. And whilst I think obviously this is a very serious thing to consider, it is something that has a very easy remedy in that way that we can incorporate lots of different traditions, lots of different um, backgrounds. Uh, in as many ways as possible. So the idea of introducing ideas around Kwanzaa or about Hanukkah or talking about different um, origins of Christmas, for example, the kind of pagan Saturnalia, for example. But obviously we do have to keep in mind that there will be some faiths and some backgrounds that don't worship Christmas at all. So that could be Jehovah's Witnesses. Whether that has a huge impact on your intakes um, obviously depends on the students in front of you. And like all good teachers, we are going to be focusing on the kids who are in front of us rather than pushing forward with an idea, whether or not it fits who's in the seats in front of us. Um, we also have the idea about instructional time, the idea that the end of term might actually be quite critical for reviewing and uh, concluding lessons and topics and Christmas activities might seem a bit of a distraction from all this and the idea that actually you might need to cover some curriculum content in order to properly wrap up the year um, especially for GCSE I know this is coming from a secondary setting but I know with my year 11s at the moment, they are desperate for a Christmas lesson. They've already started asking and it isn't even mid-December yet, but um, it is important obviously for their education and for their chances in the summer that I focus on curriculum first. And then if magic happens and we have a spare uh, lesson, that then we can uh, discuss maybe some Christmas time. But unnecessarily losing hours uh, might actually cause more harm long-term than some short-term good. We also need to consider our budgets. Elaborate Christmas activities can really strain um, the budgets obviously within schools or within classrooms. And obviously we need to keep an eye that the activities we are kind of running, whether they're in school and require obviously staff to provide things from home, which we shouldn't have to do understandably. Uh, but also as well, if the school are running their own events that require maybe financial contributions, that uh, they are as inclusive and cost effective as possible and avoid obviously putting any unnecessary burdens on staff or on parents at what potentially might be a quite difficult time. And finally, the big one I think I've left until the end here is the idea of dividing and conquering. I think if one teacher does uh, Christmas activities and another does not, then students can not only pick up on that inconsistency, odds are they will try and find a way to exploit it to get out of doing any meaningful work. We all know the handful of students who will try it um, and obviously that just creates more pressures and uh, more difficulties for the staff who are following either school policy or following what they think is best policy if they're being played off against other staff who are again trying to just maybe do what they think is best for the students uh, in front of them. So the tried and tested, but miss let us play cahoots phrase that always gets wheeled out this year. Um, not only obviously makes us feel like the bad guy for trying to stick to the plan, to the policy, to what we have got prepared, but it can also result in students actually not doing very much with their day. If they're all watching 40 minutes of uh, the same or a collection of uh, Christmas films, then it's not actually going to be a worthwhile uh, day in school for them. They might just see it as 
a waste of their time and that could cause um, issues both within school and obviously from students' perspectives as they go home. So with all that being said, this means that when we are deciding whether to incorporate Christmas activities or not, we just need to try and strike a balance that, as always, respects diversity, acknowledges different uh, cultural backgrounds of our students and maintains a positive and inclusive environment for all students uh, in front of us. So as always, we just need to consider obviously what's normal and expected for our school. Obviously, if there's a school policy in place, I mean, there's not really much you can do there. Um, but also keep in mind the students that are in front of us and the preferences of everybody involved. Not just focusing on students, not just focusing on staff, but trying to create a nice healthy balance of ultimately what is going to create the most long term good. And obviously, we need to try and keep our fellow colleagues in mind. We are all in this together after all, not to quote High School Musical, but um, we are obviously trying to make sure that uh, we are working as a team and we're not undermining um, different colleagues or even school policy and getting ourselves in trouble this close to Christmas. So to kind of uh, lead into my tips and tricks, there's always a section on this because uh, I don't like introducing a debate and a discussion without giving um, some thoughts, some opinions to try and maybe solve some of the bigger issues or to try and direct and help people find um, their own answers. So what are my five tips and tricks for making the best decision in the build up to Christmas for you? And I think the first one is pretty obvious. I'm not going to suggest that any of these are mind-blowingly uh, unique or different, but what is your school's policy is my number one starting point. Let's be frank. Um, there's no point in making any other decisions if the school we're working in already has a system in place. And that could be big school assemblies, that could be staff pantos, that could be teaching to the end, it could be a teacher's choice, it could be having a selection of uh, approved Christmas activities, it could be anything. But ultimately, whatever it is, uh, following your school's policy should be your first port of call. And absolutely, even if you don't agree with it, you can always moan over a mince pie and some mulled wine later on after the kids have gone home, but it just saves you so much hassle, so much stress, um, just making sure that whatever you're doing isn't going to get yourself in any trouble or isn't going to undermine what the school are trying to achieve. We also have uh, my second tip or trick, which is, do you have any important learning to finish before the term? Are you nearly at the end of your topic? Are you nearly at the end of your scheme of work? So. That question, or those questions I should say, um, are really based on this idea of, do you have the time to do this? So all these things need to be kept in mind. And like many things uh, that we talk about, this can obviously differ depending on your setting. With secondary, it depends on the year group you're teaching. Uh, for obviously GCSE to A-level, that could be very different in terms of what you use the time for compared to key stage three, you know, year seven and eight may have a bit more flexibility if you've got a lesson spare. And obviously, even within primary school settings, uh, trying obviously to uh, balance obviously the year group that you've got in front of you, very uh, young students are going to be perhaps in a different state of mind than your years five or six students. Uh, but ultimately as well, do you want to be starting a topic um, in the new year, fresh uh, and kind of building on what you've already learned? Or are you going to be spending that time going back and filling in gaps 
because you've taken a lesson out that could be used as a conclusive uh, lesson to have a bit of Christmas fun. It's kind of weighing up where you are in your uh, learning phase, making the most of that time and making sure that whatever time you do use, you're using for what is best for you and for your students. So tip number three, what activity do you have in mind? Um, so if you're not teaching to the end and there is nothing wrong with that choice at all for the record, it is completely up to you, then I think you have to keep in mind, well, what activity is going to take its place? And this could potentially be a great opportunity to explore some of the hinterland or that wider learning uh, that can really expand a curriculum. Uh, so, for example, history, we have so many amazing documentaries out there that can be a really great um, eye opening opportunity for students to see a different perspective or introduce a different voice that potentially we haven't had time to include in the curriculum for whatever reason. Uh, I know for geography, you can't really beat David Attenborough in a bit of planet Earth, can you? And that might just be my kind of history blinkers uh, limiting my options there. But understandably, with whatever activity you pick, whether it is a film or whether it's a quiz or a different source or even a one off kind of bespoke lesson that focuses on a Christmassy themed idea. I think you just need to make sure that obviously it fits with whatever objectives you have for that lesson. and. I know that's not going to sound mind blowing in any way because it is just like what we do with any other topic. Uh, wherever we start, we always go with what do we want students to get out of this? And by starting with that, uh, even with Christmas themed lessons, I think you can really make the most of that opportunity. Tip number four, can you have the best of both worlds? Uh, so why choose is kind of the fundamental question I'm asking here. Um, I've obviously uh, loved doing quizzes in the past. I mean, I've made no secret of the fact that, yes, there is a time for curriculum. Yes, there is a time for kind of a bit of Christmassy fun. But ultimately, um, I found that following kind of a Christmas quiz format, but sneakily adding in um, history based questions has been a really great way to kind of have the balance of fun, have the balance of curriculum and kind of mesh the two quite naturally together. Uh, so, for example, uh, I include rounds that are based on what they've learned that half term or that term. So that way, then they're doing a bit of retrieval. Uh, I always like throwing in a bit of Christmas history, one, just because it's interesting. And two, because I think it's quite um, fascinating to see students really get engaged with history um, on a wider level when it's not directly linked to anything, kind of these fun facts that they um, are quite curious about and can lead to some very interesting discussions. Uh, for example, there was a question I put up, I think a couple of years ago now, which uh, was about which century saw the origin of Christmas trees in the UK. And if you do know the answer, please feel free to pop it in the chat. Um, but generally that one quick question uh, led to a really interesting discussion of the royal family, their links with different nations, how royal families get um, kind of intermingled with different nations and it was a nice organic way to expand what students understood about monarchy and democracy and about England's role uh, on an international level without actually having a designated curriculum moment for it. So I think that's a nice way to show off that best of both worlds approach. Um, so quizzes I think are great but if you know of any other uh, activity Again, please feel free to enter it into the chat or obviously use whatever works best for you um, that kind of helps you to balance out that fun aspect with as well um, 
general curriculum ideas. And then finally, my fifth tip slash trick, what do you have the energy or the resources for? Now, throughout these kind of tips, I've been very students uh, focused uh, in that discussion. And I think most teachers are when they do have this discussion of what's best for the students, what can they get out of it? But I do think there's also the very real question um, of having been self-reflective and asking yourself, what do you have the energy, the time or the resources to do? And yes, we'd all love to have this kind of amazing lesson with bespoke, one-of-a-kind activities that just amazes students, engages them on all levels, and they walk out of the room with big smiles, absolutely buzzing about how that lesson went. But do you have the time to create, to prepare, to print, to cut, to stick, to sort, to do whatever you need to do to create that lesson? If you do, fantastic. Obviously, go for it. Have um, an absolute blast getting that lesson prepared and delivered, and I'm sure it will have some incredible results. But would it actually be easier and better for you to use uh, those kind of tried and tested centralized lessons that, whilst maybe a bit more predictable, might not feel as Christmassy? They do actually not only do the job, but they keep you sane for an hour, which, especially in the build up to Christmas, as we've put all this pressure on ourselves to obviously perform at our best at 100% each and every lesson. Do you need a lesson where it is very paint by numbers? You know the material, you're confident with it, and you can just focus on delivering a strong lesson rather than um, trying to prepare something that is very off the wall, that requires a lot of uh, preparation work, and that could cause a lot of issues that are unexpected, obviously in the day-to-days that is teaching. Now, there have been many times when I've had to force uh, myself to kind of abandon an ambitious lesson plan and take a back seat, focus on the reality of the situation, and reevaluate my expectations, which actually has been a great way to ensure that the most valuable parts of the lesson, which is obviously myself as the the teacher, the expert, and obviously you as the teachers, as the experts, that we're all operating at 100%. Nobody wants burnout for Christmas. And ultimately, the students get the best results when we're able to be at our best. Um, Ultimately, absolutely, we obviously have to consider what we've got time for. And thank you, Paul, for your comment. I really do appreciate that. Uh, with three days to fill, you've got wonderful amount of time. I think I'm very jealous of the amount of time you have. Um, but absolutely, it's making sure that we're making uh, the most of this time. And I know, obviously, for my Key Stage 3 lessons, I've got a little bit more flexibility. Whereas, obviously, for GCSE and A-level, I am... Whew, not stopping on the concept there for better or for worse, but understandably, I've made that choice um, for myself and for the students. And I think having that peace of mind of knowing when I can go very traditional in my teaching and when I can go a little bit all out does create that uh, balance that I'm looking for. And I know for many teachers, taking the pressure off ourselves to have this amazing Christmas lesson um, can absolutely be the lifeline that we need um, as we're building into the Christmas season. So overall then, what are my takeaways? So tonight, obviously, we've explored lots of end-of-term traditions, both within the UK and in Australia. Thank you very much, James, for your uh, contribution tonight. Really appreciated it. And I think it's important, obviously, in discussing all those options that 
we've kind of uh, addressed both the traditional, those kind of grinchy uh, stereotypes, as well as um, the kind of more fun out there ideas. And obviously keeping in mind that uh, there is no one correct option for you. There's whatever option works best. And I hope obviously tonight's show has helped to keep in mind what obviously we have um, to play with, what time we have, what resources we have, and that whatever we choose to do, obviously as professionals, give ourselves the confidence and the pat on the back to know that whatever we choose is going to be the best option for us. Um, as always, obviously, we need to keep a balanced view of the pros and cons of doing these sorts of Christmas activities and keep in mind, obviously, the demographics of our schools and making sure that we're staying inclusive and that we're not um, not only obviously excluding students, but obviously uh, undermining our colleagues with uh, an inconsistent approach. So obviously, let's hopefully get into the festive spirits and be really confident in our choices as we head towards the half term. Uh, Paul's given us uh, another comment. Do you think it's acceptable for staff to go for Christmas drinks less than 30 minutes after children have left at 1.30 on the last day? Um, to be honest, Paul, um, 100%, I think it is one of those options that it depends entirely on the atmosphere of the staff. I've been in schools where we've had a Christmas Eucharist and pretty much as soon as the students have left and we, they're safely left, um, that we then uh, headed out and different groups decided to just go home, different groups decided to go uh, to the local pub and have kind of a bit of a uh, release of steam in essence. And some were just having uh, Christmas department meals. Um, I was more so with the department meals, but absolutely I would go out uh, with my friends within the departments, uh, particularly like after the, the meal, usually away from the head of departments so we could um, kind of unwind and talk about the year. But absolutely, it's uh, whatever works best for the teachers. And I think having those traditions both within school and outside of school is a lovely way to um, kind of focus on the, the big things, which is it's Christmas. We're here to have a bit of fun. And um, ultimately, uh, those routines that we put in place, those traditions we have in place um, are not just for students, but also a lovely way to build that community um, as staff. So don't worry, Paul, I'm sure it won't just be you um, in the pub. There'll be a fair amount of people um, across the country who I'm sure will be doing the same thing uh, as soon as the students have safely uh, gone home and enjoying their Christmas holidays. So with that being said, um, obviously, thank you so much, obviously, for tuning in this week and for listening to my show again. Um, I really do appreciate people tuning in and getting involved. It makes these shows uh, a lot more exciting. And I do appreciate having that um, conversation with you all. So, I mean, I'll say it again. I was blown away by the fantastic response on Twitter. And tonight it's been a lot of fun talking to Paul and James about different experiences. And it's been incredibly insightful reading or hearing your comments. So please do keep them coming um, when I do kind of introduce new topics via either Twitter or on other social medias. Um, it'd be great to see you in future shows. Uh, take care of yourselves in the meantime, and I will see you next time. Thanks very much, ladies and gents. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.